we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It's, or, wait a minute. 6 through 11. So if you want to turn there, Acts chapter 1, that's where we'll be in our Bible. Um, the message this morning is called Living on Mission in Our Community. Living on Mission in Our Community. One of the things that, uh, that uh, you know, every pastor sort of has a heartbeat, kind of a message that's inside of him that he's always going to preach in some way. It kind of gets him motivated, gets him out of bed, drives him forward to do what he does. And if there's one thing that's at my heart and in my heart that usually comes out almost all the time in some way is to live on mission, is to live on mission. And God really captured my heart in this area as a young person because what began to drive me into ministry, full-time ministry, was the idea of reaching the world, reaching people. And so um, as I moved into youth pastor, youth ministry, when I was pretty young, volunteering there, uh, one of the things that drove me was helping my students learn to share their faith and learn to minister to their peers and learn how to, you know, and, and, and uh, learn how to be a little missionaries wherever they were at. And so that philosophy uh, and heartbeat started in me very young. And, and a lot of times you're asked in ministry when you do an interview, what is it that makes you cry? You know, what is it that moves your heart? And uh, for my whole life, the thing that will get me as a, as a pastor, it'll get my heart, is seeing somebody trust in Jesus for the first time. Just, I can't control the emotion, it just comes out and uh, almost cry thinking about it. But here's the thing, uh, just everybody has that. You have a heartbeat, you have a, uh, uh, something that drives you and moves you forward. And everybody's different in that because Jesus works with us all where we're at. But this idea of living on mission, again, is just a big deal to me. And so I kind of have been driving in that direction uh, as the pastor here, that we would be a church on mission. And so um, after coming here and being here for a couple years and kind of just... Um, Hearing the story, I heard a pastor one time say, when you go to a new church, um, you're going to a group of people, it's kind of like a tribe or a family, and they have a story, and they have uh, songs, and they have uh, words that they use, right? And, and you've got to learn who they are and figure that out if you're going to lead to the next leg in that journey, because uh, the story is, uh, is being written by God, you know? Jesus is the one who starts churches, and he's the one that moves them forward. And so trying to figure that out is one of the things I've been doing since I've been here, just trying to listen and pay attention and say, Jesus, what is this church about? What are you doing here? What have you been doing here? And uh, some of the things I've heard, which uh, has really resonated with me and kind of convinced me that I just might be in the right place, <laughs> is that, you know, uh, one of the uh, early uh, kind of founders, not founders, but people that knew founders, of the church when I was talking about uh, this idea of living on mission, they said this, well, that's what this church was started to do. This church was started to reach our neighbors. That was the whole goal. That was the mission. And I said, wow, that's, that's fantastic because that's my mission. That's my heartbeat. And uh, so we, we can keep this story going, right? We can keep it moving in that direction. And so living on mission in a community is who we are. And so again, after being here a couple years and listening and kind of working with, with the elders and with the staff and everything, we came up with a new mission statement, but it's not a big change from who we've been. It's just articulated a little different and it leads us into the future. And the, the mission statement is this, we are a church on mission to raise up disciple makers who share the gospel or preach the gospel where we live, work, and play. And so this is the concept, right? That we are Followers of Jesus, and we're disciples of Jesus, but we're growing to be disciple makers, which means we can, um, we can reproduce ourselves. We can help someone else come to faith, grow in their faith, 
and learn how to reach others, right? And so this is who we are. It's who we are called to be. I don't think that's a new thing. I think that's who this church has always been. We're just articulating it differently and saying here is where we're headed for the next leg of the journey. We are on mission. And what uh, motivates me towards that is to see Jesus preach and, and, and some of the things that he said to his disciples at the very end of his time on earth reflect that. They reflect the idea that there's a mission that Jesus came on and that he wants, he wanted his disciples to continue that mission and that he wants his church to continue that mission until he returns, right? And so it's really a co-mission. It's a co-mission. We get to be on mission with God. And if we can see it and if we can uh, perceive it and if we can get our hearts and minds around it, and we can begin to live like it, then we will accomplish what God wants us to. Every generation has this responsibility to hand off the faith to the next generation, to continue uh, seeing it move forward. And, and so as a church in a community, we have this responsibility to try to see the next generation of people reached with the gospel. And so uh, when I got here, um, uh, recently we took kind of a personality work assessment as a team here at, at Mitchell Breen, our staff. And uh, there's a lot of those and they show different things. And, but this one had an interesting mix of different strengths. Um, they're called working geniuses. And so uh, what I realized in taking that is I have two strengths that kind of drive me and, and lead, you know, they're always going to show up in me. And one of them is called wonder and the other one's called galvanizing. <laughs> and so wonder is people that always ask the question, what could be done? They kind of think about and look at the world in terms of potential, right? What could be done? And so I remember getting to this community and beginning to look around and, and look at this church and the people who were here and the people in the community. I started to get to know people and find out that there are a tremendous amount of Christians in high positions of leadership in this community. It kind of blew my mind. I remember thinking to myself, what could be done in this community if we got lined out working together on mission for Jesus, what could be done? Well, man, couldn't we reach this entire valley? I mean, with that many people in positions of leadership, couldn't we reach the whole valley? I kind of started to think that was possible. Now, I know that's crazy. I know people think I'm crazy, okay? Maybe I am a little crazy, but that's how I look at the world. That's what I see. And I start thinking, man, that could happen. And so I start, you know, kind of leading in that direction or trying to just speak, whisper, you know, things into people's, you know, and as I had a chance to interact with people. And, and so um, uh, one of the things, Pastor Ken, who's our worship pastor here, he kind of had this vision for a worship service that would be uh, involve a bunch of different churches, but he didn't exactly know how to go about it. And could you do it? And is it okay? And so I just kind of gave him some directions that I discovered from my ministry years of how to work with other churches and how you do it and what, you know, the way to do it correctly so that you're, um, you're honoring God. You're not watering down the gospel or what you're doing and how do you decide who to work with. And so just whispered a few things to him. He took off running with it and not taking credit for it. I'm just saying just a little bit of guidance and that thing has exploded. Um, unite night of worship. And that's amazing. And it grows every year and God's using it. And so this music festival is also something that I kind of thought to myself, couldn't we do something like that in this community? Couldn't that happen? And so I uh, haven't contributed anything to it other than praying, right, and encouraging where I could. And so um, it's exciting to see God bring about something like this in our community, a 
an event, a festival, that the way I think about it is it's going to raise the spiritual temperature in the region. Because Jesus' name is going to be preached, right, and proclaimed. And so whether people like it or not, uh, whether they know it or not, they're going to get exposed to something that's tremendous, that's powerful, that's going to make a difference, and God's going to use it. And the reason I know that it isn't just a human idea that a bunch of people decided to do is that I can feel and see the spiritual warfare that has been going on for the last several months, and it's got really intense in the last month. Um, I can just see it and feel it around here. It's intense. And so I thought to myself, man, this is a big deal. (laughs) This isn't a little thing. Because we know, right, you guys, we know that the battle we're in isn't a physical one. It's a spiritual one, right? There's there's principalities and powers in the spiritual realm. And we get uh, uh, caught up into that spiritual battle. And sometimes we recognize it and sometimes we don't. But the nature of the war that really matters is a spiritual one. And so here's raging and battling and war. And so you, you just can see it and feel it. And as this thing has come about, it's intensified. And so I think to myself, man... God's doing this, the enemy's not happy, and there's a battle going on for this valley. (laughs) Now that's exciting, it's also terrifying. Um, If you know anything about the spiritual realm, you're terrified because you understand the things that go on there. So we need to be praying. So I'd encourage you to pray this weekend. I've sent as many people as I can that are involved in this a text and praying for you. There's a spiritual battle going on, please know that, so that you're prepared to fight it. But I think of Acts chapter 1 when Jesus um, has the last few words with his disciples. It's actually right before he returns to heaven. And he has an interaction with them that I think kind of speaks to this whole issue. And I wanted to look at it this morning. How do we ensure that as a people, as a church, we get this mission, right? And that we're connected to it and that we're on board with it. How do we do that? And there's kind of some tests that we have to pass in order to make sure that we're doing that. And what encourages me is that these disciples who had spent three years with Jesus, they didn't get it either, right? They didn't get it. And so they had to be encouraged and taught and, 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 and educated by Jesus, even at the end of his ministry, as to what it is that he was trying to do and what God was trying to do. And so I want to look at this this morning and help us to make sure we know the tests, right? We're clued into them and we're ready to pass them. The first test in being a part of God's mission and hopefully working to help accomplish it is that we need to make sure that we are building the right kingdom, the right kingdom. Look at Acts chapter one, verse six. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? restore our kingdom. The disciples had a one-track mind like we do. They live in a physical world and they were most tuned into the physical realities of the world they lived in. And they were concerned with something that, that had been on their mind for generations, generations. And that is the kingdom of Israel. The kingdom of Israel. God started the kingdom of Israel. They knew that. And they remembered the glory days of, of David and Solomon. And they They really wanted those days to come back. They remembered when things were good and and they were winning and they were a a, a force to be reckoned with on the earth and things were great. 
And they wanted those times back. And so that's what they were thinking about. The kingdom, our kingdom. Now, in other versions, it says the kingdom of Israel, right? It's not just that they weren't saying our, but it was theirs because they meant it as Jewish boys. <laughs> our kingdom, the kingdom that belongs to us, God, that you set up with us, your people. When is it the time now when you're going to set that up again? Our focus is usually the same. It's on our kingdom, our kingdom, whatever that is, right? Our business, our job, our home, our kingdom. And we say, God, would you bless my kingdom and would you help my kingdom be successful? Would you help my kingdom grow? Would you make sure that my kingdom's working? Because that's really what I care about most because that's what I see in front of me. It's just the way we are. We're human beings, live in a physical world. <laughs> this is normal. Um, and, and honestly, we can shift even the things we do for God to become ours. So um, you guys, some of you may or may not, but part of my testimony story is of being a, a church planter for a number of years. I started as a youth pastor and God moved in my heart and I got excited again about this idea of reaching people for Christ. And I began to recognize that church planting was the way that that was happening in our country. And so I said, I want to do that. I was drawn to it. And God gave uh, me and my family an opportunity first to try to do that in Atlanta, Georgia. So we moved from McCook, Nebraska, a thriving metropolis of about 8,000 people, to Atlanta, Georgia, which was just a little bit bigger, just a little bit different. My wife just loved that move. Like, oh, man, yeah, this is what we should do. Um, so it was crazy. And uh, we spent five years there uh, trying to reach people for Christ and see a church get started, that kind of thing. And then we moved to Denver, and I went to seminary and uh, and God led us into a pretty large church and I got to work there for a few years and, and they planted churches. The first thing the pastor said to Mary and I when he met us, the first day he met us, well, we plant churches. So maybe you guys will be church planters out of this church. And so as I went through school, you know, people, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? The only thing I could say, gonna plant a church, gonna plant a church, that's what I'm supposed to do. And so we had a second attempt, which by the way, shows the lack of intelligence in your pastor because no one ever does it twice. If it doesn't work the first time, they never do it again, but I had to do it again. And so uh, we went after it again and we had a church that went for about four years and then we had to close it down um, in Highlands Ranch and uh, we saw God do amazing things, uh, but it wasn't meant to be forever. It just wasn't meant to take off forever. But one of the things that happened to me over the years, and I'm just gonna be transparent, this is not great, I'm not proud of this, but I started to attach God's mission to John's mission. And what happened was over time, I would say I was building God's mission. I was after God's work, God's kingdom, but really I wanted to see my kingdom get built. I wanted to start a church that became large and successful, reached lots of people, and that would um, bring a lot of attention to Pastor John, right? And I didn't know it, but that's what was happening in my heart. And so uh, when that thing closed down, God took me through a process um, I don't know if you've been through a process with God where it feels like he's just, boom. you never have, but I have. And so uh, he pounded me. I drove, I had a sales job and I drove around Colorado for a year, thousands of miles. I drove to the mountains. I drove to uh, uh, Colorado Springs, to Fort Collins. I drove the whole state and God just kept, you know, and, I, and, and he'd show me something. All of a sudden I'd break down and go, yeah, oh man. So after that year, it became clear to me that I had become filled with myself and become filled with my own ego and my own uh, uh, desires. And I had, in the name of doing ministry for God, 
had really been doing ministry for John. And so God broke me down and showed that to me. And I confessed it and repented of it. And uh, that was all good. The disciples were concerned with seeing the kingdom of Israel, their kingdom, get built. God, are you going to restore? Jesus, are you going to restore our kingdom? We want to be great on the earth. It's still tempting at times. Want our church to be the biggest. Our church to have the, great, the best pastor. Our church to be the most noticed. We have a, a tempted our business. Right? <laughs> Whatever it is that we're doing, we are tempted to ask God to bless and, and build our kingdom. It's one of the greatest temptations in the world. It's hard because Jesus, as he does with the disciples next in his answer, does the same thing with us. See, the second test for us, first one is will we build the right kingdom? The second one is will we speak the right name? I had a temptation to speak Pastor John, but the name that we need to speak is different than that. Let's keep reading Acts chapter 1, verse 7. He replied... The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. <laughs> That's Jesus gently going, pap, you know, pap. Straighten up, focus, boys. Listen, this is important. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is gentle here, but firm. And he did the same thing with me. Didn't feel real gentle, to be honest. <laughs> felt kind of hard. But if he loves us, he'll get through to us. He'll work until he has our attention, right? And sometimes that takes a little bit. At least it does for me because I'm kind of hard-headed and uh, can be slow to learn. And so uh, he had to crank on me. Maybe, again, he's been doing that to you. But what he's trying to do and what he does with them is redirects them. Hey, guys, I appreciate your concern with the kingdom of Israel. In fact, so is God. He doesn't tell them it's not important, that it'll never happen. He doesn't deny that, that request in a sense. He just says, that's not what you should be thinking about right now. You're thinking about the wrong thing. Are you thinking about your career getting ahead? Are you thinking about how you're going to do uh, uh, at, at this job you're in? How well it's going to go? I talk to a lot of young people worried about success. Am I going to make it in the world? Am I going to be successful? It's a, it's a strong concern. Maybe you're older and you're thinking, man, have I been successful? Do I need to ramp things up? Man, I need a win. God, I need something different. I need to. So we're, we're fighting and desperate to get this success so that we feel that we've accomplished something in life. And Jesus with the disciples says, hey, guys, you're concerned for your kingdom. Not saying it's not important. But if you're focused on that, you're going to miss what really matters. Because what matters is what you're really supposed to do. And so you guys want power. <laughs> you want Rome, right? You want the power to overthrow Rome. And, you know, Israel, remember, they were under Rome's power and authority. And so these guys wanted to rise up and get out of that and be prominent in the world again and be powerful as a, as a country. And Jesus says, you're going to receive power, all right. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. Now, for these guys, their only reference point was the Old Testament. And if you know the Old Testament, you know that the Holy Spirit came on people for an empowerment for a mission, a specific mission. Remember, the Holy Spirit would come on someone 
usually a leader, a chosen person, to lead out and do something powerful. We preached through the book of Judges here, and the judges had that happen to them, and, and uh, you know, God's leaders throughout time. The Holy Spirit comes on them, empowerment for a mission. And so here these guys are being told by Jesus, you're going to be one of those people. You're going to follow in line. See, God's doing something here. Powerful. You're going to be filled with the Spirit to do a mission. What's the mission? To overthrow Rome? To rebuild the kingdom of Israel? To get what, you know, prominence back? No, guys, that's not the mission. It's not for you to know the dates and times that God knows all that. Don't worry about it. Get it out of your head. Get focused here because you have a mission that the Holy Spirit's going to come on you to do. And what is the mission? To be my witnesses. To testify to others about me. That's the mission. And you're going to do it all over the world. Um, again, communities, churches, people uh, get attached to the glory days. And these guys were attached to the glory days. David and Solomon. David was this great warrior that put them on the map, started defeating. I mean, he beat Goliath. <laughs> he, he led them to conquer the Philistines, their arch enemy. He led them to prominence. They won battles with David. He was a winner. He was a winning leader. They won. Then Solomon one of the greatest kings ever lived, the wisest man to ever live. He grew Israel to be this wealthy, prominent place where other leaders from around the world, even Egypt, were coming to see what they had going on. <laughs> Those are the glory days. Do you remember the 90s? Nebraska people. Remember the 90s? You remember when the Huskers were good? Come on. Do you remember when we said... This is an NFL. These guys could beat an NFL team. You remember that? Yeah, I do. I lived here in the 90s. It was exciting. It was electric. Somebody asked Mary, is Pastor John going to talk about the game uh, Sunday? No, Pastor John's not going to talk about the game. Okay? No. <laughs> we were talking at my granddaughter's birthday yesterday. And uh, little Ivy turned two. She says she's turned T. T. But that's two. That'll work because that's what you do with granddaughters. But, uh, but one of the guys there, we're talking with, with some young men, and they're talking about the Huskers, you know. And one of them said, well, we've got to remember it's a rebuilding year. And the other guy said, we always say that. We've been saying that for 20 years. It's a rebuilding. I'm tired of that. All right. These Jewish boys wanted the glory days back, man. They wanted the kingdom of Israel. They wanted Israel to be great again. They were stuck in the past. They wanted the past just like we can get and be the glory days of our church, the glory days of our community, the glory days of our team. I mean, come on, we, right? We want to go back there. God, would you just make us great again? Would you do it again? And Jesus says to the disciples, guys, different agenda, different mission, right? Don't get stuck in the past. Don't get stuck in the past. Come on. We're moving forward. God's doing something different. This is important, guys. Focus. You're going to miss it if you don't focus. You're going to be empowered. You're going to be empowered like Samson and Abraham and Moses. You're going to be empowered, filled with the Spirit, like these powerful leaders from the Old Testament, like David and Solomon. You guys are going to be empowered like them. 
And you have a mission to do. And the mission is to testify about me. Testify about me. Will you do it? Um, this week, I was sick. been sick for far too long. And uh, so I'm at home trying to get some work done and, you know, um, kind of being a baby, but that's what I get when I'm sick. And, uh, and so we have had hail damage, as you know, throughout our area. And so our roof has been hailed. We have three buildings. And, uh, and so um, we had had our friend Byron come look at it. He goes, yeah, you probably have, you need something done here. So Mary calls the insurance, right, and gets that rolling. And she says, John, you need to find a roofer and call a roofing company to come out. And so Tuesday evening, these guys pull up. And uh, they get out, two young men. Hey, we're out Lake Minotaur looking at houses and, uh, you know, see if you guys have some damage. And Mary goes, oh, sure. Um, Thinking that I called them. And so she comes in. Hey, the guys you called are already here. Thanks, honey, for getting that done so fast. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's go talk to these guys because I didn't call them, uh, but let's find out who they are. And, and so here they are, sharp young men. They're excited. They want to do the work. They have their, give me their pitch. You know, I'm not a big salesman guy, but hey, they're here. We need it done. So sure, guys, come back tomorrow. The insurance ingester is going to be here. Look at the roof. They do. They show up early. I mean, they're sharp. They seem really aggressive. They're not cussing. I mean, they're impressive young men, right? I'm like, mm, okay. So they look at everything. They work with him. And after, afterwards, we're talking. And they're giving me the rundown, what we're going to do. We can't tell you for sure. We don't know, but this is what we think. We were kind of watching his notes and following. I think this is what's going to happen. You know, so they're doing all this. And we get to the end of it. And one of the kids, kids, I shouldn't say this, young men, um, he, he, uh, he looks at me. I'm wearing a T-shirt. And he goes, Unite Night of Worship is on your shirt. Do you know about that? Were you there? I said, well, yeah, yeah I mean, our worship pastor kind of started it and uh, it's grown and it's doing great. And yeah, I mean, I was there. I was a part of it. Man, that was awesome. That was so powerful. Um, uh, it was just amazing. He goes, I'm a crier. And there was this little gal leading worship in the middle uh, that just made me cry. She just filled with the spirit. I could just see she had a gift. And uh, it was amazing. You know, it just was amazing. So cool to see churches come together and worship together. And so we're talking, and I just said, well, do you guys go to church? What's your deal? And uh, the, the guy was kind of the leader. He said, well, I just moved from Omaha. I've been in construction. And uh, we went to a church in Omaha, and they told us to go, that we should go to Westway uh, when we came to this area. He said, oh, yeah, I know the pastor there. It's a great church. That's awesome. You need to um, be a part of that. And, uh, and I said, you, you guys, if you love the Unite Night of Worship, there's a, there's a festival happening this weekend in this area. Some of the biggest names in Christian music are coming here to our community. Really? Where's that happening? Red Rock, they were five rocks, you know, it's going to be free, you guys should go. Oh, yeah. I said, you know, by the way, if you guys know God, you know Jesus, which you seem to, then you do realize that though you're out here selling roofs and helping people with their roofs, that's not really the reason you're out here. I mean, you know that, right? You're not really out here to sell roofs. Like, that's your business, And that's what you're supposed to do. And you need to do a good job. Because if you don't do a good job, what you're supposed to do, you won't be able to do. 
So you need to have a good testimony, but you guys seem sharp and aggressive and on time and you're gonna do a good job. I'm sure you're doing great at putting on roofs. But if you know Jesus, you know that Jesus said, we're to be salt and light in the world. And so you guys are out here connecting with how many people in a day? I can just imagine how many people you guys run into. You're aggressive, you're out here talking to people. So I can just imagine how many people you're talking to. Do you know that those people, when you talk to them, that some of those people, God is gonna set up a divine appointment, is what I call it, a divine appointment, where you guys, as young men who are really missionaries, you're gonna have an interaction with somebody and be able to minister to them. And I said, here's an example. Do you know that when you're, you guys know this probably, when you're out selling a roof and you're talking to somebody and you're talking about the roof, but all of a sudden they kind of unload their life on you, just tell you the struggles they're going through and they're in a tough time. I said, you know what I'm talking about? They go, yeah. I said, that's a moment to do ministry. So I said, you just stop right there. You're two young men that know Jesus. You just say, can we pray for you? And you put your hands on them and you just pray for them. I said, they'll probably start crying and it'll be a powerful moment. But that, boys, is why you're out here. And maybe sometime you'll have a conversation with somebody. You know, God will bring up something and you'll be able to interject something. I said, it can happen all day long. But you got to be focused. You got to know why you're out here. You got to know the real reason isn't to sell roofs. And if you're worried about selling roofs, guys, I can just tell you, the way you're operating, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be successful. Okay? God will take care of you but you out here to be missionaries for Jesus, to testify to him. See, in the same way the disciples receive power, you and I receive power. You and I are filled with the Holy Spirit for a mission. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me. The mission, the calling that you and I are on is to tell about Jesus. Jesus, to speak the name of Jesus, to lead with Jesus. And I know that God's given us this church to help reach people, to help grow people, to help them come to Christ. And I've seen it happen since I've been here. It's incredible to me how God uses this church, this group of people. I mean, there's people that walk in here that don't go to church, haven't been in church. They're beat up by sin and their struggles. And they say, man, this is a place of love. We get loved on here, you know. We don't get rejected. We don't get judged. We don't get, we don't get, well, there's not this cloud of, you know, you're not good enough, but we can come in here. We feel it when we come in here. That's a sign that this church has been designed by God to reach people, to help people come to Christ. But as we're out in the community, we lead with Jesus, Jesus. And that's what Horizon Music Festival is all about. It's Jesus in the community. It's lifting Jesus up. Lastly, the last test is we have to be focused on the right future. Jesus goes on after saying this. He was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Christians in America in 2023, quit staring into the book of Revelation 
obsessively. Jesus is coming back, okay? But that's not our mission right now. Being aware, seeing the signs, I know we have all kinds of excuses as to why we obsessively worry about Jesus coming back when things get hard. These guys had it hard, Jesus left them. Sometimes this is what we do, right? Because things are hard. In 2020, God shook up our world. (laughs) We're all uncomfortable. We're all kind of uncomfortable. We're all uh, uh, unsteady. Things are are shaky. Can I just tell you as a pastor a little spiritual insight? God always does that before he reaches a bunch of people. Because you know the enemy of knowing God and following him and walking with him? The enemy is comfort. Remember when Jesus said, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth? (laughs) Well... We live in a comfortable world. We live in a comfortable country. We fight for comfort. We want our church to be comfortable. We want everything to be comfortable. And Jesus said in 2020, nope, you guys aren't getting the mission done. I'm going to shake the whole world up. I'm going to throw you off. Because when you're thrown off, now you're ready to listen. Now you're ready to say, God, we need you. (laughs) We're going to die. Right? And now we can get back on mission. We can get back on telling people about Jesus. And that has led to Horizon Music Festival happen. It's, it's led to a spurring and a churning of things happening in our community that probably should have happened a long time ago. Could have. But they didn't because we want comfort. We're drawn to comfort. I am. I like comfort. I don't like being pushed. But guess what? We have a mission to do. Will we focus on the right future? Jesus is coming back. He's going to get us. You're not going to miss it if you know him. And the way to be prepared for Jesus coming back is not to know the book of Revelation. And I'm not picking on you. Please, pastor's not saying, please don't walk here saying pastor doesn't think you should read the book of Revelation. I do. It's in the Bible. I believe passionately about it. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm just using it as an illustration to say we can get obsessively focused on the wrong thing at the wrong time. We have a tendency to do it. We should know. When Jesus is coming back, we should know the book of Revelation and Daniel 7 and, and, and 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 1, 2 Thessalonians. Please, we need to know. But that's not primarily our job right now because Jesus is going to come back and get us. And the way we're prepared for him to come back is we're on mission for him. We're telling people about Jesus, filled with the Spirit, right? Empowered for the mission, and we're on mission. We're focused. Don't allow comfort to kill your faith. Don't think that because you're uncomfortable right now, you need to change something in your life. Change your church, your job, your marriage, your change, change, change. Everybody's changing right now. It's the craziest time of change. Everybody's jumping around trying to find comfort and safety and peace. That's not where it's going to come from. It's going to come from you getting lined up with the mission of God and following him. And me getting lined up with the mission of God and following him and getting after that. So when you go to work, you're not there just to get the job done. You're there to be a missionary. When you go to your community, right, or you live in your neighborhood and you're in your house, your apartment, whatever, you're not just there primarily to be comfortable and have a great, you know, life there. You're there to be a witness for Jesus. You're there to testify to who he is. I know I can be a little pushy. I'm sorry. I can't help it. God does it to me. (laughs) So guess what? I'm going to pass it on. But here's the thing. I love you. I care about you. I care about the mission of God. I know the capacity you guys have. I look in this room and I got wonder and I think, man, where has God put these people in this community? This is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. 
How did God do that? Put together a group of people that are so sprinkled in a community that literally it can be changed for the gospel. But that's who we are. And I want to make sure that I and you stay focused, that we're building the right kingdom. Don't get distracted. God will build your kingdom. He'll bless you. He'll take care of you. He promised to do it. You and I need to build God's kingdom. That's why we're here, right? And and don't just speak your own name, your own business, your own thing. Don't just do that. Speak Jesus' name. Jesus is the name you and I are here to speak. And stay focused on the right future that Jesus is coming back. God, thanks for loving us and for calling us and for believing in us and knowing that we could do your work with your help, with your empowerment. And we need your empowerment because we can't do it on our own. And we fall short on our own. But with your help, with your empowerment, with your spirit in us, we know we can accomplish the mission. And so I pray you'd help us as we battle within ourselves to be about your work and to stay focused on your calling on our lives. And God, I pray for each person here, you put them in specific places to represent you, specific places. You put them there. And so I just pray that with confidence, they would be able to live for you and speak for you and point people to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.